This is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the reputation rock star, Todd Collins. In three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes that we have been putting out here. We've had some amazing people from the Bitchy Waiter to Jared Cooksey from Paradise Hotel. From Mike Reuter, the famous rapper, best wedding groomsman show, song, rap, whatever he did, and more raps coming from Mikey. Um, that episode was great, too. We've had just so many great episodes, but this young lady caught my eye, and you know, it kind of was irritating me for a second. Nobody said anything to me, but it was kind of irritating me for a second that lately I've had all guys on the podcast, which is kind of annoying because... Oddly enough, when I talk to people, I usually say that women are much, much, one, better employees, two, way better at business, three, way better at sales than guys, and it's just my true belief. And the reason I believe that is because they're actual, they're actually genuine. And I came across this young lady um, on Instagram, and I just started looking at her content. Her content was so good, so real. And I really liked it. And, and I, you know, with me, the way that I usually find people is usually I will find them on Instagram. And if I like them, then I want them to be on the podcast because I want them to tell their story because this one's a really interesting, interesting one because my guest today is Amanda Autry. She's originally from Baltimore and she's not in Baltimore anymore, which kind of bums me out, but she's on the show today and she's been doing some life coaching stuff and this stuff is actually pretty awesome. So Amanda, I want to welcome you to the Bad Reputation Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so excited. Yeah, so like we were talking yesterday and I guess you've been like trapped in your office. Is that right? Um, yeah, so I spent a lot of time indoors yesterday. <laughs> and for me, if I am not out in nature, um, I start to lose it a little bit. It's a very core value of mine. So today, actually, before the podcast, I was on a nice long hike to get ready for this and get my mind right. It's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad your mind's clear for the next 45 minutes to an hour. So, Amanda, for those that don't know you, you know, tell me, uh, tell me, kind of your beginnings. Where are you from? You know, how did uh, how did things kind of elevate to, to where they are now for you? But let's just start from the beginning. You know, where where are you from? Tell us about you. So I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I have lived in Maryland my entire life, except for quite recently. I'm currently a resident in Austin, Texas, and how I ended up here is an interesting story. So I got engaged in December, and at the time, my fiance and I were not um, super happy with where we were in life. He was at a job that he was constantly getting promoted and climbing up the corporate ladder, but that fulfillment level just wasn't there. 
And I was in a similar situation in my real estate career, which I was three years in and I was getting to a place where it wasn't driving me anymore. I wasn't waking up every day super excited to get out of bed and help people. And I knew that something had to change. I either had to change my mindset or I had to physically change the world around me. But I knew that I wasn't going to stay where I was. And I actually went on this beautiful trip to Sedona, Arizona, and I met a retired couple. Their Instagram is not your parents' retirement. They are amazing if you get the chance to check them out. But they told me the story about how they just retired and they purchased an Airstream and started traveling the U.S. And that was their plan for the next year or so. So I'm on the plane home and I send the Instagram to my fiance and I was like, wow, look at this couple. This is so cool. I would love to do this one day. And <laughs> Him and I, we joke about it. We kind of like no balls ourselves like into situations where like, we won't do it. No, we won't do it. So when I sent him this, he was like, well, why wait? Let's like, let's get an Airstream. Let's start traveling. And then it went from that to, well, why not just rent out our house and live in an Airstream? And it kind of escalated from there. So that's what we did. In two months, we found a renter for our house, painted the house. Um, I transitioned out of my current position in real estate, went full-time into coaching, bought an RV, drove across the country. Um, so we spent a few months exploring all the way from Baltimore to San Diego, California. And when we got to California, we were like, now what? And we knew that we were kind of like craving some community and some of the things that we missed about just like really fully diving into a place. And Austin, when we drove through, was by far the favorite place that we landed and um, for entrepreneurs and people who love to be outside it's just like such a great place to be so it, again we made a really quick decision of okay in a matter of a week and a half i want to say we found an apartment um, made an arrangement for our trailer which we were going to sell but we're not selling it anymore and i can tell you a little more about that if you want to know but we again found an apartment and back to all our stuff and moved to Austin, Texas, which is now where we are currently. Yeah, and so there were some interesting facts in there. Thanks for taking me through that. Yeah, there were some interesting facts in there. So right now, I'm, I'm kind of being slightly tossed into the real estate industry um, from one of the talks that I had a couple months ago, and I'm seeing a lot of you know, opportunity for the people that are in that industry. What, what, was, what was not fulfilling you anymore in that industry, just out of curiosity? I believe I found a greater purpose. So, and I'm not saying that real estate isn't a great purpose. I do not want to undermine that whatsoever because there is so much potential to change people's lives. And that is why I got in, into the industry in the first place. But when I started in real estate, I had no idea what I was doing. Like my grandmother had just passed away. I knew that I didn't want to work in a bar anymore. I inherited her home, which I had to like, I went from literally living in this like 500 square foot apartment to being dropped into this life of like, okay, now you have to take care of this house. You have to be an adult. You have to get your act together. So I hired a coach of my own. I built this beautiful real estate career doing it the exact way that I wanted to do it. And I think it's really important that I say that because even through my coaching with my coach and working with other realtors, it was make cold calls, 
um, door knock, like all of these things that were just not in alignment with who I was as a person. So one day I called my coach and I just said, look, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not ever picking up the phone again and making a cold call. Like, that's it. That is, that is my answer. I'm not doing it. So he said to me, cool, well, you got to figure out a way to find clients and make money or, you know, you're not going to have anything that you want. So from there, I figured out how to build a career based on having relationships with people and genuinely caring about people. And I didn't have to lead generate. I didn't have to do all of these things that felt so completely out of alignment with who I was as a person. And through that experience, I realized that on a much larger scale, you can create whatever you want, however you want to do it. And that drove me into really being able to start helping other people create the life that they want through whatever avenue it was that they wanted. So it wasn't necessarily that real estate was like killing me. It was just that it was no longer in complete alignment with where I wanted to be anymore. Yeah. And see, that's awesome. What I like about that is that it, it wasn't the industry that was doing it. You, you, you basically what you did, and I've done this exact same thing as you, which I find very, very interesting that you brought this up because running a digital agency, a majority of the time, if, unless you have massive, massive social proof, you got a door knock and you got to email cold email and cold call and do all these things. And a few years ago, I, and, and I consider myself a pretty good salesperson, but a few years ago, I literally said to myself, you know what? Like, we're good. We're real good. And people know that. And so I'm going to, I'm going to really start tapping into telling our clients stories and let them tell the story about how we help them and let those people out there decide to do business with us. And the minute that I changed that mindset over, it went fucking bananas. Mm. And so I just find that very interesting. It was very similar with you that you kind of did the same thing. You're like, dude, this, this, this isn't, I, I don't want to do this. I don't like this, this cold calling stuff. I'm going to do it a different way. I'm going to create relationships and let those relationships drive my revenue or drive my success in this industry. And I wish more people would do that. I always talk about that. I'm like, let the relationships do the work for you. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But man, I'll tell you what, people, people work a lot harder than smarter. It's just, it's just the truth. And I feel like people all, almost think that the, I, I like to call it the relationship model. They think that the relationship model is too easy or too good to be true. And we are almost conditioned as humans to feel the need to be in constant motion and constantly move. And if I'm not setting up drip campaigns, if I'm not sending out emails, if I'm not hitting the phones, then I'm not doing what I need to do versus just aligning yourself with the avenue that's going to get you there like sometimes the path of least resistance is the way to go if you my fiance said this the other day and it totally blew my mind but he was like you're on a river and you're just paddling and paddling and paddling but if you pick up the oars sometimes the boat will just glide down the river faster and you won't even have to do anything it's so right man we should have brought him on the episode too (laughs) he's a great person to talk to yeah, that's, that's awesome. So 
Well, that's great. And so you, you know, and I, I tell a lot of people this too. It's, it's when you figure out what you want to do, right? Like what really makes you happy and what you have found, what makes you happy is helping other people. And you were kind of looking like looking for that in the real estate industry. And I, you know, I, I got to tell you, I think you might be right. I think a lot of people in that industry that they are looking for it in there because it's such a big deal to people when they buy their house. Like it's always going to be like that. It's always going to be a very big deal when someone purchases their first home and the relationship with the person that is helping you either buy a home or sell a home. It it has to be an intimate, good relationship and you're helping people. Some of these people, that's their dream, right? It's, you know, people call it the American dream of buying a house. And sometimes that's one of the, the biggest goals that they're ever going to obtain and being a part of that's a big deal. But I love that you were kind of, and I guess this is my question. Were you coach? Were you doing any life coaching while you were a real estate agent? I wasn't getting paid for it. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> so I was, I couldn't help but coach. And the re- I love saying that as well, because my friend, Kate Ladon, who, if you don't know who she is, you should know who she is. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, Kate. Yeah. She's so wonderful. She said to me once, you're supposed to do what you can't help but do. And I couldn't help it. When I saw people in a situation that they were unhappy in, and I could see like how they could just make a couple shifts to get there, it was like the words just flew out of my mouth and I couldn't help but coach. But I wasn't, um, I didn't have, you know, coaching one-on-one spots available. I hosted a couple free workshops here and there. but it wasn't until I made the decision to fully stop real estate that I was going to start charging for my services. Are you talking to any real estate? Like, uh, I mean, what? I guess let me lead in with this question: the the typical people that are utilizing the talents that you have are they men or are they women? One, and where are you seeing the industry that they're they're typically coming from right now, or is it all over the place? So right now I am very female focused. I have a couple of guys who um, are interested in what I'm doing, but I don't know if they're totally sold yet. But I typically work with females who are entrepreneurs. Um, One of my clients is a health and wellness coach. Um, One of my clients is actually also a wellness coach. So it's a lot of people in the wellness industry. I find that people that are gravitating towards me and the people that I'm attracting are also what I like to call light workers in the world. They are people that are out there also trying to make a really big impact and help people in some way, shape, or form. That's interesting because, again, I would go back to the situation where if I was going to get a life coach, I kind of coach myself. I'm one of the. I'm like a self coach, I guess. But it's funny if I'm really hard, like hard up in a situation where I'm like, I got to get somebody else's perspective. I would much rather talk to a woman than a guy because I think, I think a woman's intuition has an amazing effect of being able to see all angles. And I think our intuition, a a man's intuition is very narrow um, from, we can only see, we, we really can't see all the angles of the situation and how to play it out. Um, and it's just something that I've seen over time. And it's something that I've tried to to work on myself um, by seeing by making more calculated moves and seeing all angles. Um, but I but I think I think more men would benefit from a life coach that was a woman, in my personal opinion. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. And I have noticed that 
men are typically a little harder to crack open. I just like for sure. The last time I was home, I had a great conversation with my stepdad, and we typically don't have conversations like this um, because he is very masculine and very like we don't talk about feelings. Sure. But I just like felt inclined to kind of pour onto him the last time I was home, and then he was like, "Well, leave some books with me." So I, of course, picked all my favorite books on you know coaching and mindset and I left them with him so he could read them on his own time. He wasn't really ready to have the conversation with me, but I just talked to my mom and she was like, Johnny wants you to send more books. And I was like, yep, it works. <laughs> this stuff is real. He has to, you know, work through it and self-coach in his own space and his own time. And it's taking him a little bit of a different route than some of my female clients who just want to hop on the phone and totally pour their heart out but he's getting there. He's making the progress. Yeah. And so that's awesome. And and I, I guess my dad, it's funny too, because my dad's like the same way. My dad's 77, but it's interesting because he, he's a very, the guy was in the military for 28 years, right? Like played, you know, semi-pro baseball was in the contracting business. So when, if I tell you all those things, right, guys, like six, six, five, like two, 50 like but built like a like a brick shit house if i explain him to you you're going to be like this guy's going to walk in like you know sylvester stallone from rambo and in reality he's really 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 sensitive and emotional when talking to people and he cares a lot about people so when i talk to him the reason i go to him is because i'm a lot like my mother admittedly she's 100 percent italian and I can be very stubborn. I can be narrow-minded at points. Um, and my dad isn't like that. And so if I go to my mom, my mom is going to see things or issues or, or situation from my perspective very easily. My dad will not. And so I always like to gravitate when I'm looking for help like that to people that think differently than me. And I think that's why it's important when you have a life coach to have a person that not necessarily thinks on the same level, but can see it from a different perspective. So I don't know if that, if that goes back on what I'm saying from a man or a woman, maybe it's more of a personal situation where I feel more comfortable talking to a woman, but my dad is, my dad is a little bit different just from a standpoint of he's the best parts of me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I guess and is I why he's my best friend, but <laughs> I love what you said about needing to kind of have that different perspective. My coach said this to me actually because I called her one day and was like, look, Lindsay, I am so frustrated with myself right now because I can see what's going on in my head, but I can't fix it. And I'm a life coach. I know what's happening. I have the awareness to see the problem, but I don't know how to fix it. And she said, how can you expect the same brain that created the problem to fix the problem? which again, like blew my mind. And it's the whole reason that we do, I do this work in the first place. Sometimes you need that different perspective to just open that window and show you another option. Dude, I'm stealing that by the way. Go for it. Credit. That, is, that is some fire ass shit. Maddie, uh, when you listen to this episode, take a side note real quick and quote that out for me and make a cool graphic. Um, that's awesome. And she, she hit the nail on the head. She just, uh, quite honestly, she just said it in much, much better words than I just did. Um, and you, and you make a lot of sense there too. It's, it's, it's just, um, we, we need help, right? 
like that's one of the big things we 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 think that we can figure out problems on our own but in reality is that how can that same brain right try to solve that same problem that that it actually created yeah very interesting that. very interesting so you got into so you you know you and your fiance get in an RV which is my retirement plan by the way that's what i plan to do when, when i'm done which I'll never be done, but when I plan on, like, when all four kids are out of the friggin' house. Right. Right? Buy an RV, sell the house, buy an RV, and live in the RV for the rest of my life. Anyway, regardless of that, you guys get in an RV, drive across country. Austin, Texas, by the way, I, I was in San Diego this year in Coronado. It's friggin' unbelievably beautiful. I love it out there. But a year and a half ago, I was in Austin, Texas. And you're absolutely right. Austin, Texas is a, is a massive hub for entrepreneurs right now. It's a beautiful city. If if you guys have not been to Austin, Texas, it is worth the trip and it is worth the visit. It's unbelievably beautiful. You guys figure out that that's the place for you. You set up shop. Dude, are you still living in the RV or do you have a place out there now? We have rented an apartment. Okay. So we were actually going to sell the RV and that's a little bit of an interesting story too. So we were going to sell the RV. So we left the RV in California. We've been living in this apartment for a couple of months and I had this massive shift when I started coaching with my new coach that I don't make decisions out of fear any longer. And I realized that the decision to sell the RV came from a place of fear. It came from, I am afraid that we're not going to be able to afford this payment. I'm afraid we're not going to have the time to utilize it. I am afraid that we're not going to have somewhere to store it, all of the things. Mm -hmm. And when I really thought about someone buying our RV, I wanted to throw up <laughs> and she was like, what are we doing? Why did I make that decision? And it was a completely fear-based decision. And since I don't make decisions out of fear anymore, I thought about all of the loving reasons to keep it and they far outweigh the reasons to get rid of it. So next week, my lovely fiance is going to drive to California to go pick our RV back up and bring it to Texas so we can continue to travel as much as we want to let's and we'll have a hub here <laughs> yeah that's awesome that can be your office let's yeah. let's talk about that for a second because i posted something my, my the video that i posted today just so you guys know i'll date this real quick uh, july 19th at 1 1 the video i posted today was about about fear and about the judgment of others you know and why you're not doing what you you could be doing to to perform it better and in this particular talk, I was talking about business, but everything that I talk about, just so everybody knows this, you can take the same, you can take the same advice that I'm giving you from a business standpoint and apply it to your life. I try to make sure that every single time, but making a decision from a place of fear and then deciding not to do that. Here's my question to you. When did you decide to make that a part of your life? And two, how did you do that? When I realized that I was doing it is when I decided that I wasn't going to do it anymore. It hadn't even crossed my mind that there was another option until my coach was like, hey, let's think about the way that you're thinking about things. And a perfect example of this is me doing this podcast today. When you first asked me to do this, my brain went, woo, woo, don't do it. <laughs> because you might make a fool of yourself. You might fail. What if you don't know what to say? What if you stumble? What if you sound stupid? All the things. And then 
something crazier happened. I decided, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because I don't wanna look stupid. I don't wanna seem like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't wanna seem like I'm not confident. So again, even though I was making the decision to do it, it was still coming from fear. And then I had to pump the brakes and say, whoa, because I felt the anxiety start to build. I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Why am I really doing this? And there are so many options to do things for loving reasons that melt away the fear. So when I think about the loving reasons that I'm doing this podcast today, it's that one person might listen to this and completely change their perspective. And it could help their business or their life or their relationship. When I think about that, when I think about how I can come from a loving place and make a difference in the world, the fear doesn't even show up. You know, and it's interesting you bring that up too. And that was all just really, really good stuff. And one of the things I want to take from that is this, that not only are you making the decision, not making the decision out of fear, you're also, it's a very selfless decision. And Recently, we'll go back to my dad for a second. I, I was struggling with something. I had a I had a company that asked me to come speak. And generally when I speak, because of how because of the way that I was raised and where where I came from and, and people that are around me and the times that I grew up, cussing was a very accepted um it was a very accepted language, especially in an Italian household. It, it's just used a lot. It just is. I mean, I, I, we cuss in my household, right? I mean, my kids hear us cuss. It is what it is. Like I'm not, it, it, they're going to hear it eventually anyway. So I'd rather them hear it from me. But at the end of the day, this company said, you know, part of our, we, we, you can't cuss when you come speak. And when they said that to me, I kind of went like, you know what? Then in the reality of the people that want to come hear me, I'm not going to authentically be myself now. And then I'm sorry. I, I was overthinking it massively, right? I'm like, these words don't make me authentic. These words are just words that I use to enhance the, the point that I'm trying to make to someone. And um, I was struggling with it. And I told them, I was like, you know, I, I need a couple of days to think about it. Because at that point, I was like, am I really, am I, am I going to enjoy being there? One, because I can't be myself, I have to, I, the whole time I'm going to be thinking, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, even though I did slip and actually say something when I was there. But regardless of that, my dad sat down and said to me, he said, son, I'm so proud of the things that you're doing. And I see, and he's on Facebook, obviously, he's 77. <laughs> he's not on Instagram. And he goes, I see the things that you put out there and you're helping people because I'm seeing those people engage with you and they're saying that. If you don't do this, he's like, you're it's not going to hurt you and your own pride. It's going to hurt the people that wanted to come see you and didn't get to hear you speak or say something that could have changed their life because you didn't get to fully say everything that you wanted to say. And when he said that to me, I was like, God, and I was like, shit, dad, you're right. Yeah. And I was like, dude, it's, it really isn't, you got to start. If you come from a place, like you said, of service and selflessness, it, it's amazing the things that start happen, happening around you. Yeah. I had the same exact conversation with my coach. I talk about her so much on this podcast. You should probably call her at some point, but she, okay. So I texted her the other day and was like, I just had the most amazing coaching conversation, but I didn't offer her to become a client. And the reason was because I raised my rates and I was afraid 
that she would say no, that she would feel offended, that she would be like, what are you crazy charging that much money? And my coach said, what if I told you that you robbed her of the opportunity to change her life? And that really struck a chord with me because I'm an empathetic person. I am a person who does things for other people all of the time and I find it hard to ask for that additional rate for myself solely. But when I think about the other person, when I think about the opportunities that they are missing out on by me not showing up and offering what I have to offer, I'm not doing my job and it could very well hurt them. And when you think about other people, it totally changes it. No question about it. No question about it. So from that standpoint, you you made the decision to come on the podcast. I'm glad you did, by the way. Thank you. And that's the one thing that I want you to take from this is that you're going, somebody is going to listen to this episode. It could be a girl or a boy. It doesn't matter. And they're going to hear it. And I guarantee you they're going to take something from this and it's going to help them. And you may never even know who that person is. And I talk about, I haven't even posted this up yet, but it's a post that's going to go out eventually. So now you'll know about it. But I, I always start when I talk about the 1% in the room and I talk about 10% clients because there are 10% clients out there. In fact, you and I were talking about that today and I spoke to one yesterday about it or talked to an actual 10% customer yesterday, a client yesterday. But the 1% of the people that I talk to are going to be the people that are going to hear what I have to say and apply it to their life and actually come back to me and say, what you said or told me to do or angled me in the right direction changed my life. And that's the one part I will tell you, and I'm not joking about this, that I'm totally totally fine with being selfish about. I selfishly like when someone tells me that I help them. And that might be one of the reasons that I try so hard to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm okay with that being a selfish part of me. Yeah, I mean, changing somebody's life, (laughs) I wouldn't feel bad about that. But wanting to hear it. Wanting to hear my, is, is my selfish part. That part I'm okay with being selfish about. I like when somebody says to me, I wait for it almost. I had some friends that like, I, you know, I went through a massive you know, weight change where I worked really, really hard um, on re, re, kind of reclaiming what I thought I should look like physically. And that was a two year process and I did it. Um, and I documented the whole thing. And I'm very, very open and transparent about the weight where I was and showed the differences and things of that nature. And they have a picture of me before and after in the gym. And the one girl said to me when they put the picture up, she goes, are you sure you want to put this picture up of your before? And I said, a hundred percent. Because I said, if I put up a picture that looks really, really good, like the best picture of me at that time, then that's not really, that's not really sending the message. I want to put up like the, the, the worst picture of me because I want people to see me at my worst to where I am at this point. So they can see that it can happen and it not only can happen in a short period of time, but it can happen when you put your mind to something, you can actually get it, you can visualize it. And I talked to somebody about that this morning. She was like, you know, you have, 
what, how do you have such a positive mindset? I said, dude, because at the, at the end of the night, when I finally fall asleep, finally, because it's something I struggle with, I try to visualize how the next day is going to go. Now, obviously it doesn't always work, but visualization to me is super important. When I want to be somewhere, I already see myself there. And oddly enough, and I'm not joking with you, a large percentage of the time, it actually occurs and happens. I love visualization. It's my favorite tool. When I sit down to do my meditation, after I'm done, I take my journal and I write what I want my day to look like, what I want my future wellness studio to look like. You have to be able to physically envision it. And as simple as this sounds, it's like almost too simple to swallow. But being able to believe that you can have something is the only thing that you need to have something. And a part of that is being able to physically see it. And the tool of visualization, whether you do it before you go to bed or when you wake up or in your car when you're driving to work, is so powerful and underutilized. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. The reason I like doing it before before I go to bed is because I like to let my subconscious go to work. If that makes sense? Absolutely. It's such a powerful thing. Most people don't realize that, but you know, that that's really where all the, where all those quotes come from. Like the, your subconscious really is, is, you know, it obviously it's yourself. I always like to think of my subconscious as like the better me. <laughs> a lot of people would look at it as the, the sometimes can be the bad person, but the subconscious to me is like the me that I'm supposed to be. So I try to listen to that gut feeling. And to me, that's that same subconscious talking to me. So when you were talking about a place of fear, doing things a place of fear, that's my gut will tell me. My gut will tell me this is a good idea or it's not a good idea. Right. Um, and I follow that gut. If it tells me nope, then I'm like, nope, it is what it is. Could have been a missed opportunity. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I trust that gut feeling more now than, than ever. And that really comes from that year of me changing who I was from a standpoint, not only physically, but mentally too, where, you know, it was like five, six years ago, I stopped drinking as well. And then three years after that is when I started changing my eating habits. And then I started changing my physical fitness habits. And a lot of people, and I'm sure you can, you can get to this. Like you were talking about being outside today. People do not realize that from a mental standpoint, if you're not physically pushing yourself as well, you're only hurting yourself mentally. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And and it, I just don't, I guess now I really don't understand it where like, and I was talking to Jared about this yesterday, where he's like, I, it's not that I have to go to the gym every day. It's that I want to go to the gym every day because that's where I go to get my release. And like you said about the meditation, I, here's the thing. I've tried meditation. It doesn't work for me. And the only reason it doesn't work for me is because my brain, I'm, a, I'm very accepted to the fact that I have attention deficit disorder, probably attention deficit hyperactivity disorder with a small dose of anxiety in there. Knowing that, I know that my meditation is when I'm running on a treadmill and I hit about the mile and a half to two mile point and everything goes quiet. Hmm. And the fact that you are aware of that is the key. So I have this conversation with so many people that are like, meditation is not for me. Like I literally get up from the mat and I'm more anxious. And I'm like, then stop doing it. 
Mm-hmm. If it doesn't make you happy, if it doesn't make you feel good, there's a reason. And all of this is just like, it's like experimenting with yourself and figuring out what does work and what doesn't work. And there are some days where you couldn't put me in a straight jacket and get me to meditate because my brain is going so many places. And that's when I know I have to tune into my body and figure out what I need. And I need to get outside. I need to get on a hiking trail. And meditation is only going to serve me going even more stir crazy in the moment. And it's not something that you can hear this all the time. People want me to like lay out a plan for them. They're like, just like, tell me what I need to be doing every day and how many times I need to be doing it. And I'm like, life doesn't work like that. You have to decide on a moment by moment basis, what your mind and body and soul are requiring of you to be the best version of yourself. And it's going to look different every single day. Yesterday, it looked like me sitting at my computer, hammering out my new retreat launch and watching three seasons of Scandal. Today, it looked like getting my butt out on a hiking trail. And I'm fine with both of those. Yeah, and you've created you've created that life around yourself, which is why you're happy with both of those. And right. here's the funny thing. Most people would look at your life and be like, that's amazing. I wish I could do that. That's a that is a dangerous thing, by the way, on how to start a how to start a sentence. I wish it's one of the most dangerous ways to start a sentence because here's the thing: we when we when we were just talking, Amanda and I were just talking about a place of fear. When you say "I wish," you're you've already started you've already started from a place of fear at this point. Mm-hmm. So what Amanda did is she wasn't happy. She made a decision. She did it. A lot of this, a lot of people may, may say, you know, I got to be honest with you. She's not thinking things through. She sounds a little impulsive. However, at the end, who's the happier person? And that's the one thing really that I want you guys to take away from this episode. And I really want you to go follow Amanda about it because quite literally, you guys are not stopping And when we talk about meditating, meditation can be anything. It could be going to the gym. It could be walking outside. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be sitting in a room and and doing Tai Chi. It's a situation of you putting your mind at ease for a few minutes or a few seconds or a few hours to be able to get back to focus on what makes you happy. And that's the one thing that I want you guys to really take away from this episode is question right now what you're doing, where you are in your life what you're doing for work, how you're making money, everything that you're doing right now, how is it making you happy at the end of the day? When you lay your head down, are you happy? If you're not, it's okay to start making decisions to get out of that. The fear of the money loss, that big thing right there, coming from someone who went bankrupt, who had no money, zero dollars, went from a job making $300,000 a year to having nothing, I will tell you this, If you focus, if you work smart, if you work hard, if you have a plan in place, if you strategically are making a plan and writing it down, things will change. The money eventually will come, but you've got to put yourself in a place where you can be focused and find out if you're truly happy. And it sounds to me like that's what you did and your entire life changed. And based upon that, now you're able to kind of share some of the moves that you made to get these people to think differently. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, so talk to me about talk to me about 
what your day looks like, right? So you were telling me your days look different, right? And you're getting ready for this this uh, event that you're going to be putting on. And what I what I'd like to do is talk about when you're actually talking to a client. What's that like? So I have client calls Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I also want to touch on why I do that because I just had a conversation with one of my clients and she was like, I don't have a full book of clients. So right now I am just ex- like opening up my schedule to accept clients anywhere, anytime. And I was like, I get it. I've done that before, but realize you're not going to be able to create the life and schedule that you want of ease and freedom if you start by blowing your schedule wide open for everyone. So I was very intentional about the fact that even though I don't have 25 one-on-one clients right now, I only take calls Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And on these calls, when I first started, I used to prepare and have them fill out a little sheet and I would take notes and get ready and have all these questions. And what I found is that none of that matters. If you go into a call without a script and you just listen to what the person has to say, whatever needs to come up is going to come up. And that is the approach that I take on all of my calls now. I don't come prepared with anything. I come prepared to just listen to them and be with them and help them work through the mind drama that they're experiencing, which nine times out of 10 is fear related, circumstance by circumstance until they feel a little bit more resolved by the end of the call. I, I don't have like a plug and go program or approach to anything. It's very individualized. You know, what's funny is that um, somebody reached out to me quite literally like a few days ago and was like, so walk me through, you know, the, the whole hour and 45 minutes of, you know, when you're up there. And I went, I can't really do that. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, it's always different. It's different every time. I Most of the time, I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about until I'm up there. I can usually feel it from the room what they want. Um, but you're absolutely right. Sometimes when it gets a, when it's a little bit more wild and disorganized is when you get the best stuff out of it. It's when we try to stick to the script is when you, you don't necessarily get the juicy good stuff that would have originally been there. Totally. And since you work with a lot of real estate agents, people are probably going to lose their minds when I say this. But can you imagine if you went on a listing appointment or picked up the phone for a listing call and you ripped up your script? You would be forced to listen to what that person needs. And instead of being one of the 25 agents that is calling that person with the same exact script from the same exact class, you're going to hear them and you're going to have the opportunity to actually figure out what they need and make a difference in their life. And I don't want to say that like being prepared with questions and knowing where the conversation needs to go, that's a different story. But I feel like sometimes people get so caught up in the script that they forget to listen. And I heard this, I actually, I'm sorry, I read this in a book that when you go to the doctor's office, the doctor's job is to diagnose you. But can you imagine what would happen if the goal of the appointment wasn't a diagnosis? They would probably figure out why what is happening to you is happening to you and fix it from the root cause versus just giving you a diagnosis of something and a pill and sending you on your way. So that's the approach that I'm taking to my business now. Yeah, and I mean, in in reality, are you finding 
that more people are 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 going more towards life coaches than they are, let's say, a, a psychiatrists or psych, a psychologists or whatever you, I mean, whatever you want to call them. But are you finding more people are are trying this this route first? I think it's becoming a lot more popular, and it's a lot more. Um, I don't want to say. I don't know if accessible is the right word, but it's an easier step for them to take than sitting in a formal office and having a very formal conversation about what's going on. I I am not a psychologist. I never will claim to be one. And I still believe that my work can help people that are struggling with anxiety and other issues that they would see a psychologist for. And I think you should have both if I'm being completely honest. Like the ideal situation is have both. But I am finding that a lot of people are much more easily making the step to talk to somebody about what's going in their head with a life coach than they would to go somewhere and get a clinical diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think it's, and especially because I think it's something where you may not feel as judged more like you're kind of like talking to a friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I, I I feel like when you go and talk to a doctor, you always you you're always feeling like you're you're being judged, even by your your regular doctor. You know when you're in there and you're, you know you're being weighed and you're sucking your tummy in and you're like oh, I don't <laughs> that much. And you know when he asks you to do the deep breath, you're like huh, I wonder if you hear something. It's like you feel like you're being judged based on like what you do. Like how many drinks do you have a, a week? And you're like uh four. And it's <laughs> you know what I mean like. Right. And you're like, why am I lying to my doctor? This makes no sense whatsoever. Why am I telling him that? Yeah. You know, and but think, you do it because you want him to think or her to think that you're healthy. Totally. Zero sense. And I've never understood I, that. We're also going in there to find out what's wrong with us. Like, just realize the language around that too. We go to a doctor to find out what's wrong with us. We go to a psychologist to find a psychologist to find out what's wrong with us. And even though that's not the case, nothing's wrong with any of you who are listening to this. You may have a medical condition, but like as you are, you can handle life from the exact place that you're in. But we go into the doctors and it's immediately like, okay, tell me what's wrong. Diagnose me. What do I have? Where, where do you think that these where do you think these feelings come from in people? The, these negative feelings that drive them into the situation where they need you? It's, so again, I'm gonna go back to fear because I believe that it is the root of why I talk to most of my people. Our brains are the same exact brains that cavemen had. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard this before, but our brains have not evolved to the point where we're out of constant protection mode yet. And the way that we handle that is to look for the negative thing. So many people are like, I don't know why I'm so negative, but they don't understand that they're negative because they're biologically programmed to be that way. They're biologically programmed to look for the thing that's going to hurt them so they can protect themselves. And it's nothing more than that. It's just a protection mechanism. And they don't even have the opportunity to see the other side of it. They haven't had that conversation yet of like, hey guys, This is literally just your brain telling you something that is going to keep you safe in this situation. And when my clients come to me, whether it's a fear of starting a new business or whatever, I'm like, realize that the reason that this is so difficult for you is because you are rightfully scared. I don't know if this is necessarily scientific, but I say that 
your brain views death and fear of the unknown in the same category. And the cavemen that walked into the unknown unfearfully, if that's even a word, was the one that got mauled by a saber-toothed tiger and died. So that's how we're programmed to think. But it doesn't serve us anymore. We don't need that thought pattern anymore. And the very first step is just awareness around the fact that our human brain is going to create that inner dialogue no matter what. No matter how good you are at self-mastery, your first reaction to something will be fear. Just like this podcast. I'm on the podcast right now and I worked my way through it, but my first reaction was fear. And when I look at people who aren't living the lives of their dreams, who aren't writing the book, who aren't taking the trip, who aren't buying the RV or whatever it is, it's because they're just trying to protect themselves. Where with, with, with that being said, and it was all amazing. How do you get, how do you get yourself quickly, quickly to move from the place of fear to, to quickly to, I don't give a fuck. I'm doing it anyway. It takes practice like anything else. But one thing that I will tell you, and this sounds so ridiculous, but if you want a quick way to switch your mind from fearful to your prefrontal cortex where you can actually make a decision that's going to serve you, doing something that makes you feel good will allow you to step away from that fearful thing and get into a place where you can make a decision from love. Because if you are like all in your head and you're freaking out about something, being like, oh oh my gosh, Amanda, why are you thinking this way? Stop thinking this way, think better, be positive. It's not gonna work. Shame doesn't get you to a new place. But if you put on your favorite song and jam out to it for three minutes, you can reset. You can get your brain to that happier, better, more positive place. And it sounds so silly, But I'm telling you right now, like, this isn't just advice for the hippy dippies of the world like me. Like, if you're a CEO in a company and you have a meeting that you are, like, mentally just not handling well, walk outside, put on a fun tune in your headphones, and get yourself to a better mental place to start seeing things from a more positive light. You have to, like, break it up. You have to do something to, like, stop the thought. So it's like like a pattern disrupt. Right. And another thing that I want to point out is just being aware that it's happening and not shaming yourself. So when we have enough awareness to realize what's happening, sometimes we can be hard on ourselves and we're like, oh, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to think this way. You're not going to get anywhere doing that. But if you change the thought, and again, my coach Lindsay recommended this to me to like, thank you, brain. I really appreciate what you're trying to do right now. I recognize that this fear, these sweaty palms, my elevated heart rate, this is all designed to keep me safe. And I'm so appreciative that you're doing your job and working hard to keep me alive. But I've got this. Yeah, I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And the thing is, is that I, I think that, I think if anything, again, I think that's going to be a great tip for these people to take away is that, look, it could be anything, right? I mean, with me, like music really does drive me a lot. I use music in the gym nonstop. I mean, if I'm if I feel like I want to push myself, there are a couple songs that I'll put on and it completely changes my mindset where 
I go from being like, eh, I don't kind of want you to, to the baddest motherfucker in that gym. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way it's just the way that I'm wired. Music drives me in a it, it drives me in a very very good place. So great tip. If you guys are feeling a certain way, um, a quick fast way to get past that is is to you know put on a song that either gets you pumped up or it gets you to a place where you feel good, and go back to that and make that decision of what you need to do. I, I think it's great advice. Yeah, and it's all about finding what works for you. If music's not your thing, just find what is. I'm a Celine Dion girl. If my fiance and I are fighting a lot, he will literally put on a Celine Dion song as loud as possible because he knows that after I belt my heart out, I'll be able to make more clear decisions. From Do you listen to the Titanic one? Is that the one? Oh yeah, that's iconic. You have to. <laughs> yeah, I figured that would make things better. Yeah, that and that's one thing that I struggle with sometimes when I'm arguing with someone. I. I find it very difficult to apologize. I, I'm very stubborn. Um, and I, and I find it very difficult to make up quickly. You're human. (laughs) Yeah. I was, we were on our hike today and we got into an argument about something silly. Right. And he apologized and I knew he was waiting for me to apologize. And I, I wasn't. And he finally said, like, it would, it would make me feel really good if you apologized. And I was just like, I'm sorry. And he was like, I know apologizing is hard. No one likes to do it. And that kind of, like, put me at ease a little bit. I was like, yeah, apologizing is hard. I don't like doing it. And I don't really know why right now, and I don't need to figure it out. But, like, just acknowledging the fact that I don't like doing it. But... It does make other people feel better when I do. Made it a little bit more accessible. Yeah, and so, I mean, did he apologize? Oh yeah, he was the first one to apologize. Okay. And, then he and was so like, that's when he said, you know, it would make me feel really good if you apologize. Yeah, he said, I'm And then sorry. you did it in a really crappy way. Uh-huh, yeah, and then it took me a minute to like, la-di-da and skip around in nature to be like, oh, okay, I see what I did there and what happened, and I think, kind of like leading back into what you said it's like we don't we don't like to apologize we don't like to admit that we're wrong um but sometimes stepping away from the situation and like having some time to think about it and view it from both persons perspective gives you the opportunity to think like we're on the same team here we were arguing about where we were gonna hike and we're on the hike and we're still like in this thing so just like stepping away allowing myself to like breathe in the air look at the tree hear the birds from there, I could make a better mental decision on how I wanted to handle the conversation. Yeah, I love that. All right, so let's talk about let's let's divert just slightly into uh, social media because I feel like you you handle yourself very very well online. I think aesthetically, you know, I mean, for, just from the Instagram alone, I, I think it's it's a good it's a great Instagram. You, you you do post, in my opinion, in a very in a very good way from a standpoint of it's very natural um and in the context within the post are very very good if and you have a great following too it's very the the engagement is is very very high from a standpoint of social media do you believe that it's something that maybe is one of the causes and i guess this is a great question so maybe i'm not leading just into it yet 
Is social media one of the great causes of, of the mentality that a lot of these people have now? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a loaded question. I know. That's why I love uh, it. <laughs> definitely. It, yeah. The reason that my work as a coach is so powerful is it gives people the opportunity to stop and be with themselves in their own life think about what they want and where they are and where they want to feel. And with social media, and I am so guilty of this, like I'm having this conversation knowing that a two hour long scroll makes me question everything that I am doing in this world. And it's crazy because it's not going anywhere. So we need to figure out how we're going to survive and thrive. And my hopes with my page, I'm really intentional about how honest I am and about how I have hard days because I don't want to make it seem like my life is without fear or without anxiety or without any of the things that I experience. The last thing that I would ever want is someone to go to my page and be like, this girl is the exception to the rule. She has it all. I want them to know that I'm a real human being with real human emotions. And just like you said, we have such a fear of judgment that so many people aren't showing that side of themselves. And I buffer it. I don't like post my mental breakdowns on social media because I believe that that's a private thing that I need to work through, but I will talk about it after it happens. But a lot of people are so afraid oh my God, who's going to hire me as a graphic designer if they know that I have a mental breakdown every week when I get overwhelmed with projects? That's like the mindset that happens. So they think that they have to be this shining example of someone who doesn't ever feel stressed out and can just handle things with complete ease when that's not the reality. And that totally screws with what goes on inside your head. Yeah, and I think that's why I make myself so vulnerable online. Um, Why a lot of the stuff that I share, like I, I share a lot of failures and uh, struggles and I want people to see that because I don't want them to think that, you know, um, anything that I've been working towards came easily. Cause it definitely didn't. Like I posted something yesterday where it was literally like that, where I was like, if you think I'm going to sugarcoat stuff and you think I'm going to tell you lies and say that this is going to help you, a certain period of time and things like that I was like I'm just not gonna do it you know um it goes back to that one percent thing where it's like I'm totally cool with 50 to 300 you know the biggest room I've talked to is like 300 some people I'm totally cool with one person in that 300 person room going this really helped me like for me that wasn't a waste of an hour and 45 minutes of me sitting up there you know blabbing away um and so I think at the end of the day, when you become super, super vulnerable and you become very transparent about not only the wins, but the losses, that's when you become real human in people's eyes. And that's the type of people that you're going to end up attracting. Those types of people, they're very genuine people. The other people are going to be the people that don't want to follow you and don't want to see good stuff happen to you. So from that standpoint, it really helps filter them out because a lot of the shitty stuff that you see online, it it comes from a very huge place of jealousy, very huge. 
But if you make it super transparent that, dude, I struggle with anxiety. I do, 100%. I was diagnosed with ADHD in sixth grade and pumped full of Ritalin. You know what I mean? Um, but I admit I have that diagnosis. I admit that I'm not perfect. I admit that there's things where I'm maybe between myself and my spouse, I'm not the best arguer. Like I just admitted earlier, I'm a ter- I'm terrible at arguing from that standpoint because I don't like to admit I'm wrong. Um, when you share that, people it attracts like-minded people. And so that's why I, you know, I personally think that when you're sharing the stuff that you're sharing, you're, you're not just sharing the good stuff, you're sharing the bad stuff and you're documenting that voyage and that journey. I think it's super, super important that people see that. And for me, it brings a lot more social proof and trust to be able to take that advice. Right. Kate Ladon posted something on LinkedIn that said your brand's strength can be measured as much by the people it deters as it can by the people it attracts. And I loved that. And I you know think- what? I think I liked that on LinkedIn. I think I saw her post that up and I think I actually liked it because it's absolutely true. It's amazing. I'm and sure that I detract think- a lot of people. A lot of people probably look at me and they're like, man, what a cocky, arrogant piece of shit. Yeah, but what happens when you detract them? You make space for the right people. You got it. We can only help so many people on this planet. And I don't say that to limit anyone's thought on how many people they can help, but there are billions of people on this earth. And to think that we could serve every single one of them is bizarre. And you're going to have a much harder time reaching the people that need you exactly who you are. If you are sending out this like mixed message of what you're about and what you stand for, because you're trying to please everybody, people who really need you aren't going to be able to find you. Yeah, and I totally believe that. And so that's why I try, when we talk about personal branding and some of the stuff that I talk about, I always talk about, like, dude, be yourself as much as possible. Because if you're not, if you put this face on of who you who you think people want to see you as, when you do that, you're going to attract the people that you typically would not want to circulate with. And um, this goes into kind of like what you and I said yesterday, or actually it was this morning, we were talking, oh, and I posted about it yesterday about the person who said that I charge too much for our services, and that I can't, I couldn't possibly scale our agency with charging what I charge, and um, you know that's just dead wrong, because I, I we scaled four years ago, and people are happy to pay what we charge. By the way, they're no, we're no contract, so. There's nobody keeping my clients here other than them being happy with what we do for them, right? So they must see value. So the only difference between those 3,000 people and this one person's judgment is them and their reluctance to accept the fact that what we do deems this value. And so in the last year and a half maybe, I've become very, very comfortable with just walking away from that person or that potential client. This is a big client, but I'm okay with walking away from that because at the end of the day, that person is never going to be happy with what we deliver on. It wouldn't matter if it was the baddest ass content in the world. They're never going to be happy ever. It's because they're not betting on you. You're betting on, they're betting on themselves. 
Right. And when I became clear on that, that when people decide whether my rates are a right fit for them, they're not deciding if I'm worth it. They're deciding if they're worth it. They're deciding if they are committed enough. Because if, and again, my coach Lindsay told me this little analogy. If I were to like give somebody a magic wand and say you could have whatever you want by waving this wand, they would go out and find a way to do it. And it's because they know that it's guaranteed. But what if the guarantee was you? And I believe that the same thing is in, in your business as well. It's not like you give people this information and it immediately changes their lives. They have to be the one to implement it. I talk about it all the time. It's literally what I talk about. I'm like, and I, before they even come on, I set the expectations up front, right? I'm like, look, this is only as good as the communication between you and the person that's representing the brand. If your communication sucks, then it's not going to work. I'm just telling you that right now. So before we even move forward with this, we need to get that clarified. And I feel, and this is the truth. I feel like when someone's first question is how much, right? It's not a good fit for me. If it's more like, so let me ask you, the, the person asking me a question. So let me ask you, what do you think, what do you visualize for us and our brand? If that's the question, I'm, I, now I'm interested, right? But if it's, how much How much do you charge for what you, dude, you don't even know what the fuck I do. So we're, we're, why are we starting there? Okay. Right? It's just crazy to me. It blows my mind. Like, you know, at the end, I have no problem telling you how we do things and what we do and what we can do. Let's save the price for the end because if I haven't built any value in how it's going to help you, it could be a dollar and you're still going to be like, I'm not going to spend a dollar on you. It's yeah. just, it's, the money is arbitrary because I, I can reduce my, my dad taught me this funny ass thing. And it's just, it's, it's so hilarious. If you're a salesperson, this is something for you guys to take away. It's called reducing it to the ridiculous. So what you do, and if, especially if you're selling something that's a monthly payment, right? So let's say your monthly payment for what you're charging someone is, let's say, let's use, let's use uh, $300. So if you, the, the typical month has what, 31 days in it? So you take $300, you divide it by 31 days, that's $9.67 per day. So then there's 24 hours in a day, right? So take $9.67 and divide it by 24, and basically you're charging 40 cents an hour. So when people ask me, how much do we charge? I just take that number and I divide it all the way down to an hourly rate. And they're like, oh man, that doesn't sound bad at all, bad at all. 40 cents an hour? And I'm like, yeah. I love I, that. Right? And if I told them we charge, you know, an annual rate of what is it? 300 times 12 is uh, what? $3,600. You're going to pay me a year. They're going to be like, oh, for crying out loud, that's, that's insane. But if I'm like, yeah, dude, I cost 40 cents an hour, man. They're like, Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything you showed me sounds great for 40 cents an hour. It's no brainer. So <laughs> it's called reducing it to the ridiculous. It's really funny, but that's what I was trying to get to the point of this is that value, if the value exceeds the cost, 
that's got to happen first, guys. The value's got to exceed the cost first. Make the price later. Talk about the value that you're bringing first. From a social media, I just want to get into this real quick. You know what? Say something, because I think you had something good that you were about to say. Um, I was just going to say that I once heard never to coach on your first coaching call with somebody. And I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. How could somebody possibly understand if the value was there and it was a right fit for them if I just talked about how I could help them and I just talked about my pricing and my programs? It just didn't make sense whatsoever to me. Um, so if that's your current strategy to not share any value until you've got a signed contract, I would rethink that. Yeah, I mean, what's, I, I'm not understanding the point. I it, mean, I don't even don't, do don't contracts. I don't even do contracts with my clients. It's, it's That's batshit crazy to me. Yeah. Right? Me neither. Because if you don't want, if it's not, um, if it's not benefiting everybody, then why are we doing this? I'm okay saying goodbye if you're not getting massive value out of it. Yeah. I'm Dude, here's the deal. I, I lose clients, right? I love when people say to me like, oh, I never lose a client. My children, dude, you're bullshit, man. You can't. It's impossible. It's going to happen. It's part of life. People go out of business. People get mad. People screw up. I mean, it just happens, right? We make mistakes. It, it happens. I'm not going to say how perfect we are because we're not. We make mistakes too. There's misspellings sometimes and there's punctuations that are out of control. Some people are just like, I just don't see the value. And I get that. It's going to happen. At the end of the day, the end of the day, the exit, okay, when someone leaves our agency, I want it to be the most pleasant exit ever. Because the friendship and the relationship is so much more important to me. And you know what ends up happening 90 days later, six months later? I get a phone call or a text message. Hey, you know, we tried the other people. Hey, you know, things came back around financially. Hey, you know, I was thinking about it. I noticed a couple of things and kind of missed what you guys were doing. And it always comes back around. Always. So don't burn bridges. Don't leave unhappy. If you lose a client, be happy about it. I know it sounds fucking insane, but if you lose a client, be like, you know what? It was meant to be. This was supposed to happen. We were supposed to finally part ways. I did everything that I said I was going to do, and it just didn't work out. And if you leave with that good friendship and you continue to support them, I'm telling you right now, it'll come back around. Because maybe it didn't work for them, but they might know someone that might need you one day. And they're going to be much more apt to refer you than someone who left on bad terms. Totally. Reputation is the pillar, people. I keep telling you guys this all the time. When I talk about reputation, it's not about reputation management. Not, I mean, it is, but at the end of the day, like I said before, reputation is the pillar of everything. It's going to be the thing that's going to drive everything over the next 10 to 15 years. So just button up your reputation now. Don't leave on bad terms. Do the right thing work your ass off and give everybody the best, man. And when it's time to part ways, you part ways kindly. It's just the best way to do it. From a social media standpoint, are you on, you're on Instagram? Are you anywhere else? Not really. I will make an appearance on Facebook every once in a while, but social media is pretty much where I live at. Well, that's good that you made social media is a great place for you to live. (laughs) Instagram is my current hub. 
That's your hub. What did you What did you do when Instagram went down? Um, had an anxiety attack and then <laughs> went about my day. I had to remind myself that what I coach and teach is how to be in real life, and it was a great reminder to me that I need to be in my real life and I need to call people and I need to text my friends and I need to send thank you cards because I do not have control over the internet or an algorithm but I do have control over picking up the phone or sending something in physical mail so my need to connect with people didn't go away. I was like, uh, I need to be connecting and talking. How did we do this before Instagram? I was like, oh yeah, text. A text works just perfectly fine. So I took my desire to connect and took it to the original streets of a good old phone call or text message. Yeah, they're massively undervalued nowadays. Even like written letters, for somebody to actually write a written letter is a huge deal. I mean, it's a big deal. It's not write a written letter or a card. They're like, wow, this person's a saint. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't care what industry you're in. You could be a real estate agent. You could be a coach. Sending someone a handwritten card will let them know that you took the time to go get the card. Click on your ink pen write a personal message, get the stamp, lick it, and put it in the mail. You can't beat that. Libertorius was one of our very first restaurant clients, all the, all the Libertorius. You, rem- you remember Libertorius? In yep. And Dante Libertori, his location's in Outersburg. He wrote me a letter. This last month I got it. It was just a letter just saying how proud, he, how proud he was of me and this, that, and everything else. And I, for me, I was just kind of like taken back. I'm like, wow, you know, Dante has my phone number. He could text message me. He could whatever. He could have done all these things, but he took the time to sit down and write a, a, a full page letter all about our relationship and me. And I was just like, wow. Like, again, that goes back to my selfishness where I was like, wow. It's like, I'm, I'm actually helping someone's life. Or I've affected someone's life in such a way that this person decided at that moment they wanted to sit down and they wanted to write me something that would make me feel good. And that is pretty amazing. So look, guys, if if there is somebody out there that you want to thank, I'm telling you right now, one of the coolest things you can do nowadays doesn't cost a dime. Well, maybe it costs a dime. A couple a dimes. Stamp. Yeah. However much a stamp is these days. It costs a stamp. Tell someone or to make them feel unbelievably good about themselves. It's a great, great thing. And you know what's interesting about that is that they can take a picture of that and they can share that on social media. And they can say, <laughs> wow, can you believe the impact that this letter actually had? Not a typed letter, guys, a handwritten letter, because I get it. It hurts your hand to write. It's much easier just to control everything with your thumbs. But a handwritten letter can go a very, very, very long way. I want to end it with the six, the sixer, my six pack, like I always do. I want three life coaching tips for your listeners that are listening and my listeners that are listening that you've never shared before. And then we're going to do three 
three social media tips. Three social media tips that you use every day that you like from either an aesthetic standpoint or a time-saving standpoint. So we'll start with the life coaching, three life coaching tips they can take away without hiring you, things that can help them today. One is don't be afraid to try things. And I know that sounds so elementary, but just like you said earlier, when people hear my story, they're probably like, that girl's neurotic and impulsive. But it's because I'm not afraid to redirect when something no longer feels in alignment. I don't force myself to stay in a situation that isn't what's making me happy in the moment. The next one would be, you can start over as many times as you want and you're never really starting over. So this trip across the country, I thought before I left that I would never be able to create the life that I had created before because I was in the real estate industry, which is not something that you can just put on your backpack and take with you. It's very hyper local. And going from very quickly living in a house that we owned to living in an RV to living in an apartment, we've always figured it out, always. And having that internal trust within yourself that you know no matter what you're gonna figure it out will allow you to make those fearful decisions a little bit more readily. The next one would be accepting that you are a human being and you will have human emotions and you have a human brain and there's nothing wrong with you. Fear is going to show up and being able to be with fear and accept that you're having the fear is the quickest way to get you to a place where you're starting to overcome those things. That was some good fire you just laid down, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Good fire. Rapid fire. Shoot them off. Rapid fire. <laughs> All right. Three social media tips that you use every single day on your Instagram because you're an Instagrammer. That's where you like to live and house yourself. Give me, uh, give me three tips that can help some of these people out here kind of make things a little bit either easier for them or from an aesthetic standpoint where you're using to kind of help get that message out. I post when I feel like posting. And I find that when I do that, it's the most authentic way that I could possibly get a message across. And people feel that. When you sit down and you try to follow the algorithms, I don't know a single thing about an algorithm. I really don't. But my, just like you said, my engagement is so high. And I believe that is because when something hits me in my heart and I believe that I have to share it with the world and that I would be doing a disservice if I didn't, that's when I share. Sometimes it'll be three posts a day. That's not part of any rule or plan. It's just that's when my heart's telling me to do it. The next one would be stop trying to be for everybody if that's your current way of going about social media and try not to ruffle any feathers because like I said before you're going to send out a very confusing message people aren't going to know who you are if you are not crystal clear about who you are if you are a life coach that likes to eat fried chicken like myself I go to Lucy's every Friday night the people who eat super healthy meals and frown upon that they're not gonna like you and that's okay they're not your people and when they unfollow you or they walk away and say, whoa, that girl's not for me, it creates the space for the people who really truly need you and vibe with you to find you. So my fried chicken eating coaching clients are the ones who get the greatest impact from my work. 
And the next one would be vulnerability. Even that word makes me feel vulnerable. Like (laughs) I got a little sweaty in my palm. But it's so important to show all sides of yourself, even the ones that aren't so pretty because people aren't buying products anymore. You could have the best product or service and someone else could have the same exact one, but they're buying from the person that they can most clearly relate to. And that vulnerable humanness that comes across in your post is going to be something that's relatable, that will attract more clients that want exactly what you have. Yeah, you know, I couldn't have said that one any better myself. Actually, I think it's because I've said it. Get yourself vulnerable, man. People don't buy the product, they buy the people now. Get it, you have to understand that. Especially if you're a real estate agent, I keep telling real estate agents this at the end of the day. The disruption that's going to happen in your industry is going to be from the brokerage side. It's not going to be from your side. And that the at, at the end of the day, you guys will probably not all be real estate agents for the rest of your life. So if you build out who you are now, it'll work in real estate. It'll work in the car business. It'll work in uh, an advertising agency. It'll work anything that you decide to do. If you start working on your personal brand now, that you're going to attract the people that are going to carry you all the way through. I, it's just, it's, it's just how things are going now. So you can either get on the train or you can get off the train. It is what it is. So you're either a one or a two, you're either an A or a B, but that's where things are going. People first, business products second. Remember that. Amanda, where can people follow you? Give me some tags of, uh, you know, where you are and then how they can follow you and get in touch with you. My Instagram is the season of becoming, and that is the best way to get in touch with me. I do have an email address, amanda at amandaaltreecoaching.com. But Instagram is a fun place to connect with me, and I would love to have some conversations with you guys if any of this has resonated with you. Most likely, I'm going to continue the conversation because I'm starting to think now after this, after Amanda's diagnosed me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, that it might be a good idea to, to do something like this. Um, because I do, I self-coach myself a lot, but sometimes, again, perspective is everything. So if I can get a different perspective, sometimes I might be able to figure things out. But I will tell you this, there was a lot of really good stuff in this episode. And typically, a lot of the times we talk about social media and we talk about this and we talk about that. But this is a great episode from a standpoint of self-awareness and really getting into the point of the other stuff, all that other stuff is very important to know, but you got to fix this stuff first before you can fix that stuff. I just want everybody to kind of, that should be, again, one of the main takeaways from here is that you got to fix yourself first. Then once you fix yourself or at least get yourself to a point where you feel good about yourself and you're self-aware, then the other stuff is going to be very, very easy, easy for you to tackle. You try to do it the other way around. It's not that the outcome is not going to be what you want. Trust me. It doesn't work. I've tried it a million times when I, when I switched it around and did it this way, it worked. So listen, Amanda, Thank you again for coming on. Um, I'm sure this won't be your last time, especially if I start, odds are I'm probably, if, if, if I hire you, then it's definitely not going to be your last time because then we can just share all the amazing, embarrassing experiences that I'll share with you, um, which would make just amazing episodes. Um, but I can't thank you enough for coming on because I know it's busy out there in Austin, Texas, and there's a lot of stuff going on in your life, especially with your clients, but um, it, it, it means so much to me. Oh, it was such an honor. Thank I'm so, so happy much. that you asked. Of course. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Amanda. Thanks.
This has been a Todd Collins official production in conjunction with Platinum Reputations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official or visit us at www.toddcollinsofficial.com. Want to be on the show or become a sponsor? Message us on Facebook and tell us why.